Um, just a minute more, and then yeah, we'll, we'll get this underway. Cool. I just posted on my story as well. I don't know if anyone will see and, and join the conversation, but I think it will be an interesting one because um, the reason why we we started uh, we had the idea of doing this um, this conversation with um, with Emil was because I think there's been a shift um, in like between sneaker culture and high end fashion, and sure. whether we like it or not it needs to be discussed because things are changing and will carry on changing. And I wanted to get that conversation in because I might be part of that change um, in Europe. And I want to get people who would be interested involved. Sure. 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 Totally, totally get that. In fact, yeah, let's, let's, let's get this show underway. (coughs) So to all our guests that that are here, um, as Dwayne has mentioned, much appreciated. Uh, thank you for taking the time out to um, listen to the conversation that we're about to have. Um, I am your co-host, Pedro, and um, with me I have Van Will Jams and Mills GP and special guest Thierry. Um, Duane, do you want to say anything before um, we, we crack on? Um, just if anyone has anything they want to put across, please respect the room. Um, flicker your microphone lights and it will alert us that you want to speak please do not feel any way to speak this is an open room disrespect the person that is talking at the time and um yeah we look forward to your input because without you lot things aren't possible in this culture or community amazing appreciate that um Dwayne. um Mills, do you wanna you have anything to add at all? Or Yeah, yeah. Um just really quick. Oh, can you guys hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, really quick. Um thanks for everybody for jumping in. I know it's been a while since we've been on here. Um just off the back of what Dwayne said, this is a safe space, but at the same time, if you feel that uh the conversation progresses too quickly and, and you still have have a point that you want to make, feel free to hit us all up in the DMs on Instagram as well. Uh, we don't bite, we're all friendly, um, we're all here for the same reasons. Um, and yeah, with that, Henry, when you're ready, man. Awesome. So, um, thanks, guys. Um, the format will be, um, for the next half hour, 40 minutes or so, um, we'll have a dialogue with Thierry in regards to sneaker culture versus high fashion, uh, where it's come from, where we are, and uh, the nuances in all of that mix. And then after about half hour 40 minutes we'll um we'll create a space where we can invite you guys to come up ask questions uh whether it be based on what you've heard or anything in around the subject and then beyond that um we'll we'll continue from there and i guess we'll wrap up where where we reached a, a natural end so with all of that said i will commence welcome everyone to sneaker culture versus high fashion and again, Thierry, um, we appreciate your presence on here. Um, you're one of the family in regards to the panel. And the reason that, um, in as much as you're here, the reason we're having this conversation is even though you have grown up with a sneakerhead um, background, you have um, digressed into high fashion. And in fact, rather than me talk about it, it would be good if you can explain to your audience just very briefly a summary of your journey in terms of 
um, coming from sneaker culture into the space that you play in now? If, if you could do that for us, please, Thierry. Sure. Hey, everyone. Hey, again. I uh, hope everyone as well. Thanks for joining the conversation. And um, as Pedro just said, I'm going to just do like a quick intro of my journey into the sneaker culture. So like everyone, um, I started having interest in in trainers, sneakers when I was a kid at school. You know, I'd have a, one pair of trainers a year uh, to run around, play football with, whatever. And then the next year you get another one. And I think it stopped becoming a culture because you look around you and you look at the other kids and you compare yourself, you know, you see how, who has the best shoes. And at the beginning of the year, that's when you know you're going to have a good year or not. That's how it started. And as I grew up, I developed uh, a bit of a higher passion uh, because of uh, music, the kind of music I was listening to. Uh, I was into hip hop, break dancing. So that led me into towards a different direction in terms of like my style and the, the kind of train I was buying. And fast forward a few years later, actually, because I'm French, uh, I come from France, but when I was studying in London, uh, I was looking for a part-time job. I, I found a job at Foot Locker uh, as a sales. Uh, I was part of the first team that um, started House of Hoops in Foot Locker. I don't know for, for those who remember. So that House of Hoops is the, um, the Nike basketball section of Foot Locker. Uh, the design and the merchandising of the of the store is completely different. It was like on a different floor and stuff. Uh, it started, I believe, uh, in Paris and in London, in Europe. Um, and it started developing everywhere else in Europe. But yeah, I was part of the first team in London um, uh, to open House of Hoops. And that changed a lot of things for me because I was a student. I was getting discounts at Foot Locker, so I was buying a lot loads of shoes. I met some of my best friends today. I, it's in that time, in that era where I met, when I met, uh, Dwayne and Emil, that was like just over 10 years ago, 11, 12 years ago. And things have always been about sneaker culture, like real sportswear brands, trainers, basketball, tennis, or whatever you think about, but always from those few brands that we know, like the Nikes, the Adidas, Converse, etc. Uh, it was never about high-end fashion, even though the truth is they've been there the whole time. You know, when you are not accepted in some restaurants with your trainers, you had to buy casual trainers, right? Ca like if you didn't want to wear leather shoes and stuff. Uh, you had brands like the Common Projects, or if you walked into a Zara or office, you'd be able to buy um casual trainers and then you had the designer high-end fashion that started doing their own version of casual trainers so that people could actually have a relaxed lifestyle not having to wear you know formal leather shoes and go still go to restaurant etc so you would go you would walk into Selfridges and see brands like uh, Lanvin or YSL um, doing trainers that are very expensive um let's say between 700 pounds to a thousand pounds. And you could tell back then already that they were taking inspiration from like trainers that we know, Jordan ones, um, skate shoes, etc., dunks, etc. And, but I had zero interest in them because it just wasn't, I think my, 
my age. I wasn't the right audience for it. And I was just a student. But as things progressed, um, for those who don't know, I now run my own creative agency. I've worked with most sportswear brands and sportswear retailers, the Foot Lockers, the JD, etc. And as I grew older, the, the market has changed too. Um, all those high-end designers have seen that there is a real demand for trainers and that people are willing to pay for a high price because they see what resale is doing to the market. Um, what resale is doing to the market essentially is that it makes, it makes it okay to buy a shoe that was meant to be 150 pounds. Uh, it makes it okay for someone to spend 500 to 1,000 pounds on them. And I think that's when they saw a real opportunity for them to do more. That's when you see every single high-end designer brand making their own trainers, getting inspiration from the sneaker culture, whether that's a good thing or not. Uh, I think we'll discuss that a little bit later. And I started working with uh, high-end designer brands. I I initially through content creation, working on events, etc., taking pictures, videos, etc. But now we're reaching a point where some brands want my opinion on designs because they do realize that not everyone, not everyone in the sneaker culture is interested in their designs. Now, I think this, this conversation is to talk about whether it's strictly some people don't like the higher designer brands and don't want to buy higher designer trainers strictly because they're not the brands that were part of the street culture or real sportswear brand to start with, or whether it's the price, um, you know, maybe the price point of seeing a pair that is 900 pounds stops people from even reaching further to see if it's worth it. Uh, and yeah, that's the conversation really. Awesome. Awesome. You've, you've mentioned so much in which we are going to um, unpack <clears throat> and um, there's a few in, in that explanation you've given, um, I think there's a few things I want to unpick. Um, so you mentioned um, in terms of acceptance in regards to high fashion. And I just want to um, do um, a little um, digression in regards to acceptance and just get your, your thoughts and opinions in regards to um, why is it now that sneaker culture has accepted high fashion if we can say that or whether um high fashion has accepted that their way is no longer the way in terms of um the client the clients that they're used to dealing with against the fact that there's a new generation that's um, rising uh, yeah i just want you to um you know want your thoughts and opinions in regards to why is it now that there's a there's a, a mutual acceptance between sneaker culture and high fashion. I think not everyone is accepting it, but for those who are, it's uh, it's like you know you at school, um, everyone wants to buy wear black shoes, for example, and you know you're wondering if white shoes is cool. If you see more and more people wearing it, then it becomes acceptable, and I think that's what it is. Like with whether it's social media or the the designers behind brands like the Virgils and uh, the Matthew Williams, so whoever you, you can think about that came from the street culture that went into big fashion houses to either do collaborations or 
become their creative directors, etc. That makes it um, more. That opens a window for people like us uh, to to discover new products and new brands. I think it's it's not necessarily bad to say that they don't come from sneaker culture. At the end of the day, like you can like anything, you can see it as a completely different um, section of whatever you like. It's it's not you cannot you can even not call it sneakers anymore. But when you have Virgil Abloh endorsing a brand and creating footwear designs for it, however you call it, if you like it, then you start buying it. Then obviously you part of the people that accepted those designs and these designs happen to be inspired by the sneaker culture so is that you somewhat admitting that sneaker culture has accepted high fashion i think so i mean like again people might disagree with me but i'm talking about me right now and we had a conversation recently with with Dwayne. i was telling him um i started buying a few lv trainers and the truth is, I never really paid attention to high-end, uh, high-end fashion designer trainers. Not actually that, that I didn't pay attention. I've seen them, but I didn't really like it. All the Balenciaga hype, Triple uh, S, uh, forgot the name, Speedrunners, and all this stuff. Like you can see loads of people wearing it, but it just wasn't for me. So I never really even <clears throat> even went and tried it because I just didn't like it. But once you see something you like, I'm actually a very good audience in terms of like consumerism because if you do something nice i'll go have a look and i might go try it and if it's actually good i might spend the money on it and i was telling Dwayne, i just recently started buying designer trainers which is from lv for example or dior because they actually do in in my opinion interesting work the only annoying thing is it's a lot more expensive but my in, in my mind is as i grew older instead of buying five pair of shoes that are costing 150 to 200 pounds because now things are more and more expensive from Nike or Jordan or whoever, even like Yeezy and stuff, then why not buying something that I believe is worth the price? Because the quality is actually something else. And that yeah. for those who actually haven't really experienced it or actually gone and have a look, it would be interesting to have their opinion when they actually touch the product, wear it, uh, in the store to just to have a look and, and try it. You don't have to like buy it and wear, wear test it for ages, but just to have a feel of th- that product because we can all make a judgment, right? And right. to me so far, from what I've seen, when those fashion houses actually make shoes, whether it's made in Italy or wherever they make it from, it's actually worth the price. Knowing how the sneaker culture is, is doing right now. Okay. So with that in mind, and still staying on the um, subject of acceptance, mm. um, <clears throat> do you think the price point of designers' um, sneakers is the main barrier to consumers that don't buy designer sneakers? So is price point a gatekeeper in terms of being accepted into high fashion? Um, I think so. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, just to... Uh tie into both points there it's interesting that we're talking about price points and people's interests because as you said there's many raves in the past not so much now where you couldn't wear trainers so even back in 97 98 99 there was a big boom for the pradas 
yes. that they they were designers, but it was your gateway to having a designer shoe that you could wear raving. And we're talking sixteen year olds, seventeen year olds putting money down to try and get a pair of these. So they could stand out up, up, apart from um from those wearing your Nikes, your Adidas, your Reebok Classics and whatnot, which was still part of the rave culture. However, due to the demand of, oh, trainers were seen as only worn by troublemakers, so you have to wear hard-soled shoes. Prada was that middle market where it was a designer brand and a cool-looking, sneaker-looking shoe as well. So... With that said, Dwayne, are you actually saying that rather it be price point, it's the type of shoe that was the barrier in terms of being accepted into high fashion? Definitely, because um, maybe not our culture over here, but in the States you had Reeboks and then you had the Gucci tennis trainers, which again was the halfway house that you could probably get a Stan Smith that looked the same, but to the drug dealers, hustlers, it was about your Gucci trainers. And that's the path that G-Unit and Reebok went down when they made their G-Unit shoes and the Rockefeller shoes or whatever you want to call them. So a lot of cultures lend from trainers or even in some points trainers lend from high fashion out of necessity. And then as we know, a lot of things get drip, drip fed. But as I'm saying, when I was in secondary school, which I left in 99, there were people in my school going to places like Probitos and Selfridges at the time, really expensive places to get a hold of these Pradas because it was, yeah, I'm still wearing trainers, but I can get into every rave possible. And it shows my status as well, which... Now we've kind of reversed statuses that a lot of the time wearing a pair of Union Jordan 1s is a higher status from a designer brand shoe. Interesting. So with that said, and I'll put this to you, Thierry, if we have this happy middle ground in terms of the Prada American Cup, which I think is what Dwayne was referring to in terms of the shoe that um, in, my, in our days, so I say our days. High fashion and sneaker culture so long to reach the point where we are now. Maybe because the interest wasn't actually, they didn't see it as a great opportunity. That was maybe a very small audience to them. Like until before social media, like the sneaker culture felt like, felt like a small community. You would see the Americans having their own sneaker culture, you know, with the, with the camping and the, the fighting and the rioting and stuff. And then you had the European one, which is a bit different. And you had the Asian community, sneaker community, that was also uh, a world of their own. And to me, it's like, from a business perspective, from this high-end fashion, like, I'm not surprised that they didn't see it as a great opportunity to make money. 
Now it's different. Now with social media, celebrities, and the, the, the music artists that all were designers, when back then you would have uh, Nelly wear, happily wearing Nike and you know, head-to-toe tracksuits and stuff, now it's a bit different. Now you know, they, they endorse the, the LV, the Gucci, et cetera, et cetera. So it reaches our community that came from the streetwear culture, the sneaker culture, to sort of elevate ourselves in terms of like what we're purchasing because we see, we just have to look around us and the brands see this and for them it's jackpot. Like I think it really came from reselling. Like I I felt, I felt it because I see people spending crazy money on a pair of shoes that is, like I said, supposed to be 100, 250 pounds. I was back in, uh, when the course Jordan 4s released in Europe, I was in Amsterdam in the airport and I was wearing them. Uh, I was going to a Jordan brand event and someone, a random guy in the, in the airport stopped me and said, hey, bro, you're crazy. You're wearing a 2,000 euros shoes. And I said, no, they're 230 pounds, 250 euros. But that's people's perception now. Now a pair of Jordans, whatever quality they are, let's say they are medium quality. People think they're worth 1,000 to 2,000 because they look at their resale value. So it became okay for LV to release a, a shoe that is 900 pounds for retail because now the people's standards have changed. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Uh, totally, totally, totally makes sense. Um, at this junction, I've invited um, a few people up onto stage. So if you guys want to chime in, by all means, just flash your mic and then we'll um, open the floor up to you. If anyone in the room actually does want to um, contribute, uh, again, uh, if you send a request um, to join and then we'll, uh, we'll accept you and you'll join on the stage. And then again, if you do want to contribute, then by all means, um, you can flash your mic. But um, at this junction, we'll, we'll continue. And... Just want to tag on to um, the last thing that you said in regards to the resale value versus um, the price um, versus retail value and the perception that has been created as a result of the secondary market. Now, we're aware in terms of the space we're in at the moment where sneaker culture has now moved on from a subculture to mainstream culture, or should I say pop culture, where people pretty much a lot of people now are aware of sneaker culture what it's all about and so on and so forth now as as a result of um demand supply and demand obviously there's only so many shoes to go around and as a result those that are able to get the shoes um they, they can see the potential in terms of flipping it and earning some coins which will personally help them with their own personal endeavor so for example, 150 pound trainers going for 500 pounds. Some people will think, well, that's, you know, easy money, so on and so forth. However, in all of that, do you feel, um, Thierry, that designer sneakers is an alternative and only because of the better grade of material, even though it negates the hype and the noise that a normal sportswear sneaker would make? I mean, it is an alternative for sure. Now, for those who are really following the hype, 
it makes no difference. I think what brands are trying to create is hype on the different products, which is an alternative, but they're not creating a product to say, look, instead of buying hype shoes that are too expensive for resale value, come and buy ours because it's widely available. They're not going to sell it if it's widely available. They're going to have an audience for it, consumers that will buy research. What they realize, what they identified is that now people are willing to spend a thousand pounds on a pair of trainers and that is okay. So they are trying also to create a product for that price range, but obviously work on the marketing around it to make it hype or to create a demand for it for whatever the reason, whether it's uh, the, the celebrities or the artists who will be wearing them or the influencers they'll pay to, to, to work on like content or is whether it's just like, you know, their usual marketing tools, you know, like a TV commercial, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. 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 Um, Preparella, I saw you flash your mic. Did you want to um, chime in with your thoughts or was that um, a, a mishit? Preparella, are you there? No. Okay. Sophia, um, I saw you oh, flash your mic. Hello. Oh, hello. Did you want Hi. to. Uh, Hi, I saw you flashed your mic. Did you want to chime in with your um, question or um, thoughts? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to try to keep it to a minimal because um, I think obviously the, the title of the room, to be fair, is the conversation I have on a, on a normal. So I'm glad that you guys firstly are um, bringing this to Clubhouse. Um, I kind of agree with like parts of what everyone's kind of saying in terms of, you know, the, the way things are now, we're spending money you know, a high, a lot of a lot of money on resale, and and of course, like designers are going to look at that and think, well, if they're willing to spend that money, you know, on on a on an Air Max One or or a Jordan One, then why wouldn't they spend it on you know our shoe? The prob not problem, but the the reason why I'm kind of I, I don't quite know how I feel about the the kind of high fashion mixing so much with. Um, you know, the, the street fashion in that sense is when I look at designer, I look at season. Like, so when it comes to fashion and high-end fashion, a lot of it is really by season. So you mentioned, I think, Thierry, you mentioned the triple S's, for example. So if I think about a couple of years ago, everyone and the next door neighbour was wearing uh, Balenciaga triple S's. I probably wouldn't put those on my feet now just because I know seasonal like season wise like in terms of what's on trend what's on fashion they're kind of somewhat out in my opinion and it's not a shoe that I often see people wearing anymore the difference between I would say kind of your designer shoe typically and your um you know your your Nike shoe or your Adidas shoe is that they're a little bit more timeless so that is why I wanted and I think because I have some designer shoes and I've got some, obviously, you know, your normal shoes, but it's like I've always kept the two worlds separate because I know, one, I can probably wear, you know, in the next 10 years, if it lasts, and the other, you kind of have to kind of keep up to date with kind of the fashion of it. So even if I think of things like, you know, Alexander McQueen trainers that everyone was wearing at some point. Like, again, it's not a shoe that I often see people wearing anymore. And I, the problem is I feel that with the high end, it's like, are they going to look at their collabs 
apart from people like Virgil, you know, their their his stuff has has been has been timeless, and he managed to do it in a way that you know it became a timeless thing. So you can probably wear, you know, the the a pair from the first ten off whites that were made now, and it still be you know a timeless piece. So that's that's my only worry. Like I know that um, sorry, just my last point. I know that they did um like a what was it um i can't remember it now but like just just kind of like a the the prada mixing with adidas it's like you know it's it's like it's there and you see it but i don't know it's just for me personally it's not something that i've wanted to see so much of um in terms of the mix i i do prefer the worlds to be separate um but yeah that's just my opinion I'll, I'll shush now. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate that. Um, just before we go over to you, um, Sophia, Thierry, do you want to respond to that at all? Or are you happy for us to um, move the conversation on? Uh, I mean, just like a quick comment on that. Uh, I mean, I, I didn't really think of it this way, but you are completely right about the seasonality and the, you know, the, the limited time, uh, lifetime that those designer fashion trainers have. Uh, compared to a, a Nike iconic model or Jordan, etc. But I think maybe that's something they would love to to work towards um, and create something that is a classic. But then again, when did the uh, Virgil's LV trainers started? Like just a few years ago when he he joined LV, right? So you still see them coming out after a few seasons. Uh, I'd still say for that specific model, they are still in trend. Uh, I would say stronger than ever. Um, and who knows what would happen? I think that's when you'll see the quality and the impact of some fashion icons like Virgil could have on, you know, the, the bridge between sneaker culture and high end fashion. If that product is still there in 10 years, but I completely agree with what you're saying. And that's, that's a very interesting point. Amazing. Appreciate that. Uh, Sophia, uh, welcome. Hope you're well. Um, please uh, share what what you have in regards to what you've heard or any of your own thoughts. Well, hi everybody. Um, so I live in the states, and our perspective on this this whole topic is just slightly different, but maybe the same. I appreciate what Creparella was saying. Is that kind of speaks to my point? I think that high end fashion and streetwear um, always stood alone separately. You know, and and I think now it's a beautiful evolution in fashion, and I would definitely give Virgil his flowers because his whole ideal, his philosophy was to create something and create, or not not just a clothing brand, but an idea that streetwear is high fashion and can be, and that the lines between those communities can definitely blend or be erased completely in its own collection. And I love what she said, because for a very long time, fashion, when it came to high fashion and street fashion, stood alone separately. You know, it was almost like disrespectful um, as, a, as an urban culture to wear like this foofy, like fancy, high-end fashion brand. You can't be a rapper and wear this fancy shit, excuse my French, but it was like about street, um, street cred, you know, it just, you just didn't do things like that. And it took, again, it took a lot of time. And I think that's the only reason we're able to get here now is because we had to develop a respect for each other. Streetwear had to earn the street word had streetwear had to get the respect of high end fashion and vice versa. 
And that was done by bridging the gap with a company like Supreme. When skaters came out and they were wearing Louis Vuitton jackets, but rocking their dunks, it was just this culture where, where it didn't matter, where it was free and it was possible. So it started blending like, okay, I could wear this street piece with this high-end fashion piece. Not too much. I'm still like, you know, I still got my status out here. I'm still not, you know, I'm not turning completely bougie. I still got some stripes on me, but, but I, I can also do this. And, and then when you start blending in social media, you start blending in influencers, you start blending in people that you respect for their struggle and what they had to say, whether it was through art or music, you started respecting what they were wearing. And now you started opening your mind up and they were making it possible through through their music that, that maybe I could wear this and maybe I can actually attain it. Because it was just something that we're, most people, the most population can't even afford to buy, at least not out here in the States. That's like, you don't, if you're not rich, you don't, that's not something you wear. And if you are rich, what are you doing in our hood? Like, what are you doing with the basic people? That's how we looked at it. So it was a nice, happy blend. And now that we're here, we're able to see the two come together. And when it comes to trainers, well, sneakers, uh, high-end fashion is, it's considered high-end fashion now because the pieces and the exclusivity of these sneakers have now been equal to their high fashion. So you buy a piece that's got the handmade quality, the, the, the time and, and, materials that they put into some of these, you know, Italian shoes, Italian leathers, you now are matching that with exclusivity and everyone likes being exclusive. Everyone likes to be distinctive and that equals money. If you want something that's limited, it is going to be expensive. If it is expensive, it is now considered high fashion. That is how the street mind works. And so now that these street trainers are being considered expensive, they can now be coupled with these expensive pieces that are seasonal and I just love that now high-end fashions can create something that's not seasonal it's every day and still be considered something that's going to gain in 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 value it is now becoming it's appreciating not depreciating and it doesn't have to stick to a season and you can still be Louis Vuitton and Gucci and have the things that people expect when it comes to the season and also have your street streetwear where it constantly stays um, relevant and, and doesn't matter what season you're wearing that in. It is still part of a collection altogether. And that collection stands alone when it's brought to the public and marketed. So I think a lot of it was just time. And now we're at that happy place where we can all see each other together. So it's exciting. Appreciate that. Appreciate that, Sophia. Oh, that's that's what was said was quite rich um, in in what you've had to share. I've got my own um, thoughts that I want to chime in with. But Thierry, as you are a special guest, do you want do you have any do you want to add to anything or counter anything that um, Sophia has said? Uh, I think the the main thing, uh, Sophia, that you mentioned that was important to me, I think, is like you said, street cred. Street cred was very important in the past and is, I think, still very important today. Um, so I would like to actually ask a question. So now we're talking about the high-end fashion, high-end designer brands trying to get in. Let's talk about the Versace's, the Dolce Gabbana, brands that are not connected directly to any sportswear brand 
in terms of like collaboration, etc. But then if we look at the Dior's and the LV's and the Prada's that actually collaborated on on silhouettes that actually are part of the street culture, like Jordan One, Air Force One, and Adidas Superstar, do they actually for for those who actually are not like you know accepting the high end fashion streetwear uh, sneaker thing yet? Do are these acceptable then? But they're still high end fashion prices. The Dior's were let's say two thousand pounds. The Air Force ones are two thousand pounds, and the Prada. Adidas, I think, were cheaper, but like let's say five hundred or something like that. But were still very pricey compared to a normal superstar. So are these acceptable then for those who are not, you know, believing in it? I think they're acceptable, but it's just time. You know, you can't just become, you know, like look how much time Nike took to become Nike. You know, mm-hmm. we can respect you as long as you put the time in and. And when you say, hey, this is, it just looks like you're following a trend and there could be no respect for it. And I'm not going to pay you a thousand dollars when you have no, you know, it doesn't matter what material. I don't care if you slap that thing with gold and you're not going to come into my culture and then say, you're going to make a sneaker and want me to buy it. I'm not doing that. It's just not happening. Nobody that I know in the States, whatever. And that's where a lot of these um, high end fashion brands um, miss the mark because it's not so much about the materials it's about your brand and how much you've invested in us how much are we going to invest in you our culture has invested in Louis Vuitton meaning urban culture with our artists our influencers they've all repped your brands they've all we've all shared back and forth for a good amount of time so we can give you a little respect when it comes to that as long as you do it tastefully as long as you respect where we're coming from and don't try to you know, imitate the silhouette and try to come up with something new. Don't try to, you know, respect whatever the function is of it. And we can give you enough respect. It takes a little bit slowly, but surely. But if you're speaking to, to my culture out here, the sneaker culture in the States, that's, that's why it took so long to be accepted where somebody can actually consider buying a Louis Vuitton sneaker. It's like not buying something generic, but it's like, why would you do that and spend a thousand dollars if you're in this culture and you're really vested or you're hype beast? Why would you spend a thousand dollars on a Louis Vuitton trainer and they haven't been making trainers that long when you can go get a cause for like, then you not really, you don't know the history. You don't know the collaborations. You don't know. You, first of all, it says a lot about how much you know about sneakers. It says a lot about how much you know about this culture. It says a, a whole lot about how much you know about the collaborations exclusivity, because now we're paying attention to where you're spending your money. So you went out and you got that and, and we're supposed to respect you as somebody in this culture. That's just how I'm telling you our culture sees it, but it's just about time and, and respecting each other and what we've done in regards to the fashion industry and blending that in. That's what, what I think that people fail to realize what Virgil did and how important it was and how important it still is and how how he literally knocked down a bunch of barriers when it came to that and got the respect on both ends from high fashion and street fashion. It's incredible. So I think that it just takes a little bit of time and respect for us to get on board like that. Thank you. We can give it to the Gucci's. We can give it to the Louis Vuitton's, but not like the other brands. We're still working on it. Cool. Um, sorry, um, Terry, I think you wanted to chime in. Can I just chime in very quickly? Just um, There's a chat room that's running as well. Um, if you guys want to contribute, 
um, through that method, by all means, you're well, welcome. But there's a comment I actually just wanted to read very quickly, which I actually thought was very relevant to um, what you just said, um, Sophia. So a guy called Brandon Reed just basically has said a lot of these brands have dissed and dismissed us for the longest and then turned around acting like they always had our back. And um, so I feel like he's agreeing or agreed with what he has said, Sophia. But I have a question for myself in amongst all of what you have just mentioned. As a result of high fashion getting into bed with sneaker culture, if I can use that term, have they invariably diluted their own, have high fashion, sorry, invariably diluted their own brand as a result of mixing or getting involved with sneaker culture and i put that to you sophia and then maybe thierry if you want to chime in with that as well i would say absolutely not because with high fashion they're in this really great place where they can still have high fashion you can have two separate entities of one brand street culture can't we're trying and that's that's where we have to have a balance of respect for each other because they've got clients that they've established for a long time who like Caparella she made a great point that look towards the season what season this is coming out what season did that come out in and it in regards to being an asset it's something that's appreciating in time that was season you know three 2002 Louis bag you know what I mean that was the collaboration with you know um all the oh my god so many times to go over them is is going to be a long list but you know that people look at that fashion for, for high fashion for that but they but they can have both and that's that's where street street brands um lose a little bit of respect because they can do two in one so you can have your collection and have your streetwear cool appreciate that sophia thierry do you want to answer the question um and just for if in case you've forgotten um my question was as a result of high fashion getting to bed with sneaker culture or streetwear has um, high fashion um as a result diluted their own brand um i think i, I join what i join in with, with what sophia was saying i don't think so in the sense like there's still a separation um, in what the brand has can offer, like there is the the haute couture side of things for any high end fashion brand, and if they're actually opening up the streetwear, it just creates uh, a bigger space for for more consumers more consumers to get in. So I don't think it's actually bringing them down in in any way, in my opinion. Okay, fair enough. I mean, sorry, go on, Sophia. Sorry. No. And I'm, you know, and they still make their products in limited quantities and the people who have invested their time and really love their brand who are into high fashion, they can choose whether or not to buy it or not. And it doesn't take away from, you know, the value that they get and the exclusive exclusivity that they get from their normal collection. It's just an addition to, yeah, like Thierry was saying. Cool. Appreciate that. For those of you who have joined us, um, welcome. Um, we're currently discussing um, the crossover between sneaker culture and high fashion. If you do want to join us in and chime with your own thoughts, by all means, just send us an invite and we'll happily add you onto the stage. Um, the reason I asked that question in terms of dilution is that, um, I don't know if it was yourself, Sophia, or, or Crepe, 
Creparella uh, mentioned that the availability of goods produced by high fashion and that even though it's at a higher price point, it's still somewhat, yes, they make it in limited quantity and there is a higher price point, but the speed in which they they go through stock or the speed in which they're sold through stores or boutiques isn't as quick as what we witness in um, sneaker culture. So most of the people in this room are familiar with a drop that happens either on a Thursday, Friday or Saturday. Um, typically, it'll either be for a raffle or it'll be a first come, first serve on site. And within five to ten seconds, the stock allocation is, is gone. Everyone has bought it, whether it be through bots or or being quick with Google Forms or whatever. Whereas with high fashion, yes, they may not produce as many, but you can they, they can drop, say, on a Friday or a Saturday. Two weeks later, the product is still sat in stores. So hence, hence why I, I asked the question in regards to dilution and what does really what does exclusivity really look like and as a result has the lines blurred in 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 that respect and I, i'll put that to you thierry i'd say what you see in sneaker culture like you said with those very exclusive products that go in a raffle or online within seconds and the high-end fashion um, side of things where you say that things are sitting Actually, it's the same exact model. You have actually high-end designer trainers that can go within seconds, but also that never hit the shelves. Because it's a different consumer, some products are not even available. Uh, I never not even intended to be available to anyone. They are actually only intended to be av- available to higher spenders or uh, known customer, right? But then obviously you have those the products that are actually sitting, but it's the same thing to me as Jordan, New Balance or Nike. Those general releases that we can all think about that are sitting in every retail store right now, you have the same replicated model in high-end fashion with products that are less in demand and made in higher quantity, probably, uh, that are not intended for the consumer that is into hype, for example. I think there is something for everyone, either way. I hear that. I hear that. Emil, I want to ask you a question. Um, so I feel like we haven't heard your voice. So apologies if I'm putting you on the spot here. But I want to ask you a question. Um, there's been murmurs this week in regards to uh, a collaboration between uh, New Balance and uh, Amir uh, Leon Dior in regards to the, um, the 999 sorry, the 991 model made in the UK being sold at 275 A lot of noise has been made in regards to the price point. However, when we get to designer sneakers, we don't hear so much of an issue. Why is that? Or why do you think that is the case? Yo, apologies, man. The, the reason why you haven't really heard my voice is because I've been stuck in my mouth. Oh, um, that's all good, man. Um, I think in regards to to the price point for for New Balances, obviously you're looking at the you know they they obviously have their tiers, although they're not as apparent as let's say 
uh, Nike's uh, tier zeros and quick strikes, they still have their tier. That 275 is their upper tier of their, of their product. Um, and for, for them, obviously, them slapping the, the, the Emilion door um, name on it, essentially, is them justifying that, that price tag. With that said, with, you know, with, with, with New Balance, when you put the money down, you get what you pay for. Um, and I think this is a step towards what Thierry's been saying about getting what you pay for with, with regards to higher fashion footwear. Um, you know, I think, and don't, don't get me wrong, I, I love Nike products, but, you know, there's there's always discrepancies with regards to, to the quality that you get now. I, I don't know anybody who hasn't complained at least once in the past year about a pickup that they've received. Um, but, yeah, it's, you know, I think... My the, the the only the only thing that I find interesting with regards to the, the price point of uh, sorry I'm going to digress a bit um, but the, the thing that I find interesting with the price point um, of um, let's say normal sports sneakers in, in comparison to luxury sneakers is if you go onto uh, if you go onto a, um, onto a, a higher fashion website for instance and, re- and go onto the the product description of a pro- of of a pair of trainers. It will just tell you what it's made out of. Um, whereas, let's say, for instance, if you go into um, a sports a sports brand, you go into the product, it will give you a breakdown of the heritage, the the story behind it. You you kind of know what you're buying into, and I kind of feel like from a consumer that doesn't really, but uh, that doesn't really take much of an interest in high fashion sneakers, there's not a lot for me to buy into. Sorry, I've gone on to a, I've gone on a tangent there, um, and I don't think I've I don't think I've um, I don't think I've answered your question. But it's only because my missus is paused these standards, and um, she, she's waiting for me to get that out there. And I, I felt like I should get my more important uh, point across. No, no problem. I appreciate that. Um, yes, I, I yeah, go on. Go ahead. Go, go well, I think that that's always going to be an issue, but like Thierry was saying in high end fashion, it's a completely different clientele base and you get phone calls because you are a spender who spends 10,000 plus a month. You get access to this. So what you see on the shelves is what's left over and everyone who's supposed to get that shoe has that shoe. And that's how you know what your status level is with that brand. You spend so much money. They give you the respect and like a luxury veal, like a luxury vehicle, it comes with a lot of different amenities, right? Mm-hmm. Imagine if sneakers and street culture had that. Oh, you spend 2000 a month on sneakers? Yeah, we're going to call you first before we drop it on sneakers. We would all love that. But the thing is, with our culture, urban culture, streetwear, how do you know that somebody knows about these shoes or these trainers or this culture? How, how do we know to respect that person? It's the chase. It's being able to get something that somebody else hasn't because we know all we know each other. I'm like, I know you, Mills, anybody. I'm in the States. Somebody can call me and say, get this. And then you're going to wear it because it only came out here. And people are going to be like, how did you get that? It's because you invested time into this culture, into what you put on your feet. A lot of the shoes that you wear, whether it's posted on your social media, are shoes that you can't, that not the average person can get or even know how to get. So 
you you end up gaining a lot of respect and we're always going to be after the chase. If there was no chase and it was there for everyone to have, then nobody would want it. And it's reverse in the in in high end fashion. It's offered to you because you are this person. So you don't have to question your relevance in that community. You know you are. You got that call. You got that you you ha- you're on a list somewhere. But in our culture, how do you know you're relevant? by having what everyone chases. And if we didn't have that, we would, none of us would, if we could all get it, then none of us would want it. Appreciate that. And that's an interesting point, but I would counter that point by saying in as much as amongst us, when I say us, us within sneaker culture, um, we respect the, our peers, um, whether it be Van Wills, Emil, whoever, Stevie Ryder, because they put in the nine yards to acquire the kicks that they want. However, I, the counter is that there is no equity in the chase amongst retailers. Retailers don't understand what the chase actually means. All they understand is the money that goes in the till at the end of the day. So in as much as we may celebrate for a lack of a better expression um our peers within the community retailers won't do that because they don't understand that they don't it's, it's, it's the concept is foreign to them in terms of chasing after kicks it's it's here it's here it's gone it's gone whether you spend retail or resell on a pair of shoes if it's not money that's coming into the till it doesn't mean anything it's you know, there's, 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 there's no equity behind the chase. I would, I would counter you by saying, yes, they do. Um, Nike is very well, uh, very aware of the secondary market. And for many years, up until NFTs, couldn't figure out how to capitalize off that secondary market, at least not in a structured way. NFTs now are going to allow them to make a profit off every resale that they that they do with these NFTs attached to actual sneakers you can wear. So I think they're very aware of the secondary market. I think that that if we're talking, and they're a business, they're really just supposed to focus on money. I'm talking about just in the culture about respect and, and you can't really market your product without kind of knowing a little bit about that. They have street teams, they've got marketing teams that that speak to ways just to make money, just to make sure that we're wanting their product and I do have to say, though, that was more toward like hype beast. But there's a lot of people I think would say everybody on this stage wouldn't really care if we wore a pair that we loved that no one else cared about. We all love trainers and sneakers so much that it didn't really matter. I like it. I'm wearing it. And that's just us because we love this this culture so much. But the hype beast is is the one that focuses on that. And they feed the they feed the beast. And um, yeah, I would definitely say they're aware of it for sure. And they'll have an opportunity now to take that out out of our out of like stock x's hands you you don't think that they pay attention to stock x and goat and how much money you don't think they see that their shoes are on there they just sold you for a hundred bucks and now it's you know reselling for two thousand oh they know oh they know of, i promise you that of course hundred percent and it's interesting you mentioned nft because i agree with your point in terms of now yes they're able to capitalize on that but i still think Nike, if we're going to single them out, they're one of the few in terms of they ha- they somewhat have their finger on the pulse in terms of um, the secondary market and trying to find a way 
of capitalizing in terms of what I mentioned earlier in regards to the equity of the chase um, and, 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 and be able to monetize that in, in some respects. So yes, I agree with that, but Mikey is an exception rather than a norm. There's, you still got other brands that are still trying to figure out what the NFT space looks like and so on and so forth. But I don't want to dwell on NFT too much because, um, as much as, um, I know you're passionate about it. It's not exactly the topic for this evening, but obviously we, we can have that conversation uh, later on. If I can bring it back um, and bring it back to you, uh, Thierry, um, are, you, so are you in agreement then that high fashion sneakers uh, should be considered in the same in the same group as that of sportswear brands? And um, again, if you may, just reiterate your reasons as to why or why not um they should be or shouldn't be considered i definitely think they're not the same thing and i would i would not i I wouldn't want these conversations to go to a point where we all agree that yeah they're fully integrated into the the sneaker culture because first of all i don't think they should be and i don't think that they want to be really fully integrated they want to be an elevated version of it um, now to go to what Sophia was saying, the difference between the brands that are successful in it and those who are not is how much they invest in the, the community, how much they invest in the culture and, you know, just showing how they're getting involved with us. And that's going to bring to my point at some point in this conversation, um, when I was talking about getting the sneaker scene, the sneaker community involved with, with some high end fashion brands is to say, if you are part of those who think that a brand is not yet respected because they haven't invested enough in our community, how would you feel if they actually show interest in our community and that they want to invest time and actually listen to your opinion when it comes to designs in general, but actually asking you, what do you think we should do better to kind of get in to your world if that makes sense yeah totally um Dwayne do you want to answer that question if Dwayne is there Mr. Van Wills no Dwayne is having dinner I'm sure I'm sure (laughs) (laughs) oh dear Philip go on Sophia oh no go ahead Philip if you want I don't Philip, if you're there, um, would you like to answer Thierry's question? No one's there. All these people that come on the stage and they have nothing to say. No, I think they all they just might be away from their phone. Pedro. I do that sometimes. And you got to get back to the screen in, in order to unmic, and it takes a second. I'll be looking at sneakers when I'm in other rooms, and they're like, Sophia, <laughs> Sophia. I'm like, hold on, hold on. I got to get back. So, <laughs> Um, okay, let what me. Do you let think, me, Pedro? What do you think, Pedro? What do I think? I I think, um, I think fashion houses should come with their own design and their own um, vision in terms of what footwear should be like. And it's of no coincidence that in recent times, a lot of the um, popular models have been models that have been created. In their own right. I mean, you mentioned Versace 
and um, they break, they brought out is it chain reaction the shoe the shoe with the um the big soul and the um oh, I forgot the the technical language but yeah if if you guys have got access to Google just Google Versace chain reaction and that for me is an original shoe or original design by um is it Salehi I think it's Salehi Bembry who came out with the um yes. original yeah. design and for me that shoe has been really, really successful. The same thing with the um, Balenciaga um, Speedrunner, the the sock shoe. Uh, so it's the sock, and you've just got the um, the the sole plate um, underneath. Again, a very popular model. Even the Triple S, as much as it's an ugly shoe, it's still an original. I would consider that shoe to be a, a an original design. So there are examples that I've given, which I feel in recent times has um, made the brand. Um, successful because they're able to produce um, shoes that are based off an original design rather than in my opinion biting styles um, from other brands and one that comes to mind is the um, the, um, the Yves Saint Laurent shoe where um, I think it's the SL line where they blatantly copy the Air Jordan 1 model um, in terms of the style of paneling and uh, the colour um, color blocking and stuff like that. Yes, it's, it was successful, but for me personally, that shoe's not of interest to me because the the idea is it's not original, and um, I, I just feel like for brands, it, for me, brands need to come with original designs. Um, it makes it interesting as well, and I guess there's a special appeal because you're looking at a product, and you're like, right, this is something that has been crafted created there's no reference points at all um so yeah that that's 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 my thoughts on on the subject thank you so let me ask you a quick question then now you mentioned ysl you mentioned why you don't like what they're doing because basically they're just replicating uh the jordan one and i, I know exactly which one which shoe you're talking about yeah the the uh red colorway the royal yeah. blue colorway is exactly yeah. that right now if ysl came to you came to us our community and said look we've been doing things wrong uh we would like to you know hear more about your opinion and what you don't like about what we're doing and would like to do better would that change your opinion before even doing anything would that change your opinion on the brand and what their purpose is yeah definitely because they they as i see it they're looking for a new source of inspiration they're looking for ways in which they can target uh, their consumer. They can target their um, um, their their audience. So, and I guess ways ways of doing that is to have a conversation. Is to approach the subject with a blank canvas, if I can use that language. So, we have a problem. We have done this, this, this in the past. We're not making money. Oh, we're making money, but we want to change direction. We want to do something different, but we want to do something that is relevant to a particular group of people. What is it that appeals to this group of people? And then that conversation is there to be had in terms of, right, we like this. We like that color. We like this material. It needs to do this. It has to do that. And then sifting through that information to then create something that is unique and different to what they have done and to what's already out there in the in the market. So I would feel no way in terms of um, 
approaching um, brands and and giving them my my thoughts and opinions. Um, the fact that it may be a group that is outside of my um, typical price bracket, um, I don't think that dissuades me too much. I, I still would feel that I can contribute something that would, you know, give a give a different form of opinion in terms of what they've done or how they should do. Thank you. No worries. Yes, Creparella. Um, yeah, no, I, I somewhat agree with what um, you're saying in terms of answering that. Um, I just, I don't know, there's also that part of my brain that, like, when I look at high end, and I think we've all kind of touched on it at some point today, um, it just, in my head, I just still get, like, sort of weird alarm bells about, you know, designer shoes being something that represents status so as much as yes a way that in in kind of answering to Aries question around like if if designer brands were to reach out to pretty much know what what do the people want it's like I, I don't know I don't know if that's something that is possible in that sense I think a lot of the times and I'm probably probably an unpopular opinion but sometimes all it takes is we see that you know, this person of status is wearing it. And then before you know it, where we've all, you know, jumped on it or, oh, it's now, you know, deemed as a cool shoe um, in that sense. So, and it, and it happens and that's typically what happens in fashion. It starts from, you know, it's a trend or so-and-so seen it and this person of status is seen wearing it, etc. Um, so, yeah, that's just my, I don't know, again, if I've gone off in a tangent, but... I just think that whole element of status with designer shoes is is going to be there for a while. It's designer for a reason. I just think it's just so, it's like almost kind of trying to eliminate the status element of designer shoes, but then it, then it does it still, you know, will it still then remain a designer shoe at that point or... I don't know. And then that again, that goes back to your earlier question around like, is it then watering it down? Like designers yeah. watering down their brand. So yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. Cause even like with the chain reactions that you mentioned again, like people that I saw typically wearing those, I, I could be completely wrong, but a lot of the people that I saw wearing those were people that I know live a certain lifestyle, have a certain status. So just see what I mean. I don't know if the person that wearing a, a chain reaction is necessarily going to be the same person interested in wearing a Jordan one. So I don't know. It's it's going to be. Uh, I feel like it will always be like a split market. Like they're going to probably, you know, capture some people, but I don't know how well they would capture everyone. I think that would come with time and consistency. Um, but on the flip side of that, you know, we could be over it in sense of like, okay, we know, you know, what they're trying to do here, but we're over the the collabs now, you know, just go, just go back to making whatever, you know, trainers or whatever that you guys make. Um, but that, again, it's just my opinion. Awesome. Appreciate that, Creparella. Hi, Lucas. Thank you for joining us. And sorry, hey, I'm Pedro. Sure, um, Hi, everyone. Um, yes, I'm good. Happy to hear your thoughts, because um, I know you've said quite a bit in the chat, so uh, it'd be great if we, we, we can get um, an audio in terms of your thoughts and opinions based on what has been discussed um, so yeah, far. Yeah, sure. Can, can you hear me properly? 
Yes, I can. I can hear you clearly. Cool, cool. Well, first and foremost, that's a very disciplined and 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 good and calm room. I was in the Johnny Depp room before, and it's this is chaos over there. So good that you guys have this room, and also my uh, my boy Cherry as well. Good to see you, brother. Um, good to have you around. I see you. Good well. to have another so. French. Not to, not to <laughs> French All right, let's switch back to French. Here we go. Earlier, <laughs> I, earlier I had someone to excuse my French. I was pissed off. That was very rude. <laughs> um, that's Natasha as well. That's Justin. That's quite a few people here. So um, j- just for, I mean, Terry knows me very well, but I've, I've worked a lot in, 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 in luxury primarily, and I, I do like my sneakers too. Um, I don't think those will ever be integrated into one each other for a very simple reason. If we talk about high fashion and luxury, what the aspiration is, is to really you know, push the boundaries when it comes to um, quality, craftsmanship, the research of the, the materials that you get, but also stretching the envelope when it comes to money, right? When it comes to sneakers as a heritage, and, and it's really heritage. I've heard about culture. I've heard about performance. I've heard about sports. Those two are not always compatible. But the one thing that luxury does, it doesn't matter what the application is. It could be transportation. It could be travel. Here, it could be clothing. That will always try to go to the next level up, right? Now, luxury travel is having a luxury or high-end van to live in. And what's happening with fashion, especially with sneakers, fashion back then, fashion and luxury uh, a few decades ago, a decade ago, was all about your jackets and your suits and your trousers. And the reason why they were doing this is they were looking at what people, the masses are wearing and taking it one level up. Well, it just happened that sneakers is what people wear now. So the thing that would happen, and that's really more as an open question, in 10, 15 years down the line, what would people wear and what would be the place of sneakers for the masses? If the sneakers are still central, luxury will still try to milk the cow as much as they can because, frankly, accessories, so sneakers, beauty product, handbag, that's the only thing that make you know, fashion and luxury profitable today. If sneakers is not central in a decade from now, I can bet and guarantee luxury sneakers are not going to be existing anymore. So, Lucas, do you think the convergence of sneaker culture and high fashion is a trend? I believe so. I believe so. And again, back to the point of where, and that's some of the comments I've put in the chat, people used to do uh, limited edition to raise the brand and trigger sales and revenues on the rest of the brand, right? What's happening with high fashion and luxury, those are not many making businesses, many making businesses. No matter what people say, it's image building to then have you buy the key ring and the handbag and the this and the that that is more affordable by the masses. We can say whatever we want, but a YSL, a Dior, Versace, point of market entry, you can't buy the dress, you can't buy the suit, but you can buy a pair of sneakers. And that's how they've been leveraging on this community and leveraging on those types of products because one, many people buy them, and two, they can make them as a point of entry price-wise to bring people into, into the category. 
If you have no people with no interest in sneakers, this is just going to fail. Interesting. So I have a question for you, Lucas. You've, with all that you've mentioned, how do you explain the current crop of creative directors at these big fashion houses um, and the fact that they're doing what they're doing? And I mentioned um, these crops of um, creative directors. You've got the likes of Kim Jones, um, may he rest in peace, Virgil Abloh, Kanye West, if you want to call him a creative director, Salehi Bembry when he was at Versace, and you've got all of these guys that are now, they're, 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 they're the major players in all of these fashion houses. If, if you're saying that it's a trend right now, how do we explain the reason why all of these guys are in the position that they're in today? That's a, it's, a, it's a good question. So I'll, I'll, I'll break this into two because there's a lot of elements. One, what's the origin of the source? Do they come from the fashion or do they come from the, let's say, streetwear, right? And we've seen those different people you've listed actually will come from different origins, right? If either more traditionalists or more towards the street culture. And then you bring them into the fashion house because that's where the masses currently are as far as purchasing power is concerned, right? Uh-huh. The second point, and I was, um, uh, Terry knows that, but after Dolce & Gabbana, I worked in beautiful uh, Gucci. Gucci hated technology, right? And the reason why they hated technology is, and technology in the digital sense of things, not technology as in you know, new materials. So, so. The reason why they hated it is because they didn't know back then, or they were not sold technology or digital in a way that could elevate the storytelling, right? Right. Mm-hmm. In the more recent years, last year, who has been killing it in digital apart from Gucci and Balenciaga, right? So the, what's happening, depending on where people and creative directors come from, what they need is to understand what's possible. If we can share what's possible to them in a way where we can elevate the story and elevate the magic and the enchantment for them to create with more ammunition, then we can get something breakthrough. I think it was you, Pedro, who mentioned earlier, um, how can we make sure that we challenge them and push the boundaries on maybe the shape, maybe the materials, maybe the way it's being worn, maybe adding technology as part of those things. And again, technology here is more on the fabric side. If we don't show them what's possible, then what they'll do is they'll take what's best and generate revenue and just do slight improvement slight evolution as opposed to bringing true revolution. And I think that's because they don't know what's Interesting, interesting. So, but that still doesn't somewhat answer the question in regards to um, the fashion houses borrowing from, I mean, yeah, it doesn't answer the question in regards to fashion houses borrowing, um, or rather, should I say, copying. <laughs> copying, um, yeah, just say it copying sports sportswear companies in terms of design i mean i mentioned um the the san loren um i think it's the sl model where it borrows from the jordan one and you've got um uh, maison margella who basically they took the um the german training shoes and they've just made it their own where and and i think what i'm grappling with is that they don't offer yes they may offer superior material and elevate story so on and so forth but for me 
I don't feel it's a unique proposition that they're offering because of the fact that... Sorry, can uh, you hear me? Yeah, no, I can hear you. And and I was going to say... I, oh, can you hear me as well? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, I was going to say I agree, but, but you forgot one parameter there, right? Earlier I was telling about... I was talking about storytelling, right? You need to create an emotional connection, right? It's not just about, you know, performance and specific features... You really need to be emotionally attached to something to fork out a grant to pay for a pair of shoes, right? Uh-huh. And what, what you need to oppose to that is newness. Bring disruptions to a system, people automatically will kick in the defense mechanism. They need to have something that they're familiar with that they can relate to. I think that's where the clash is. If you go too far in the new and unknown territory, you may not get your emotional connections for people to go and actually pay that money. So it will be interesting to see who has been pushing the boundaries in high fashion, luxury sneakers that we've never talked about because no one has ever bought them because they were too different. That's interesting you say that, Lucas, only because I feel like a lot of the people in this room, they all love Nike. And if it's one thing with Nike is that they were brave enough to challenge and do something different in terms of the models that they've produced in the past. If you look at the Air Force, the Air Max 1, Air Max 90, and so on and so forth, they they took risks. And with the risks that they took, they were able to convey the emotion in regards to that risk that they took in terms of the storytelling. Now, I don't feel... In my opinion, and I'm happy to stand correct or to hear a difference of opinion, I don't feel that fashion houses, to some extent, take that same risk or are afraid to um, yeah, go down the unknown um, only because ultimately um, their bottom line is, is, is what goes in the till. And, 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 that's, and that's, that's how I see it. Um, I'm keen and interested to hear, um, Thierry, Sophia, if you see it differently or if you, ha- or if you agree with what I've just said. I agree with both what you said, Pedro, and what Lucas has said. Because, yes, uh, if you talk about Nike taking risk, you know, 50 years ago and with the Air Force One, the dunks and stuff, they have. Um, and now for high-end fashion brands, it's they have two options, either go down the same route and doing something completely different. Uh, or like, you know, Lucas has said, um, create an emotional connection by designing products that reminds people of something. And I think, for example, Virgil has done something really good. Like he's not hiding that he's taking inspiration from the Jordan 4, the Jordan 3, etc. What he's trying to do is to pay tribute to the sneaker culture and bring that to high-end fashion and completely sh- telling people that where, where he get his inspiration from. Uh, and I think that's quite respectable. So that's one way of seeing it. Now, what Lucas says is true as well. If some The brands that, the high-end fashion brand that work on something that is too different today, uh, it might not work because there's something else in the, in the mix now. It's pop culture. Um, you know, like sneaker culture as a whole. Now we have references like you said, like you mentioned, uh, the Air Force One, the Dunks, the Jordan One, etc. That are things that are going to be staying for a long time. So, 
trying to disrupt that habit of, of, of the sneaker culture is something that is going to be very hard. And like you said, what they're thinking about is also the bottom line and they want to make money now and not in 20 years. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I agree with both what you're saying. And but what Lucas is mentioning is is really really true uh, about this whole emotional connection. That they don't copy something for the sake of it, but they want to do something that works because it reminds it might reminds people of something that they like already. So whether you like it or not, whether the, the brands are doing it right or not, that depends actually on the brand. Some people do it right. Some people don't do it so well. Uh, and now it's up to us to judge, really. Okay. Um, I have a question for you, Faz, if you're there. I uh, appreciate that, you know, you've sat in the audience, you've not had much to say. But I, following on from what um, Thierry has said, do you think that these high fashion houses, when they do create a pair of shoes and they take their inspiration from sportswear brands do you think they're actually paying homage to some of these models or do you think it's just a lazy attempt in terms of okay this is a popular shoe we're going to copy elements of it and we're just going to pull it on the table and i and i'm aware that what i've just suggested is almost contrary to what um you've just said thierry but this question goes to Faz, and i just want to hear what his thoughts are if if he's there Fars, Fars isn't there. Okay, no worries. Uh, Sophia, are you flashing your mic? Oh yeah. Um, well, I would say this. I agree with what Thierry was saying. But what? Um, Fars, are you there? I think you might have had to leave. Can you hear me? Let's let him answer, and then I'll interrupt. Yeah, I can hear you, Fars. I can hear you. Yeah, I don't know why it wasn't working. I was trying to type, and I was trying to chat, but it wasn't working. Um. Yeah, I think I think it goes back to what Lucas said about heritage. They don't have a heritage in footwear. Like, I guess Thierry, correct me if I'm wrong, but high fashion brands have never been focused on footwear. It's it's not been, you know, um, a highlight of their collections or their you know Paris Fashion Week. No one's looking down. They're always looking at the 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 torso effectively or the headwear or whatever so i think i'm from my i guess superficial um understanding of of high fashion that they just don't have the heritage so therefore they're always going to draw for inspiration to to put it kindly but i mean i don't know this conversation just just um i guess brings up the recent lawsuits and issues with small customizers, um, I guess, outfits like Warren Lotus, uh, Geiger, and the rest of them that took inspiration, copied whatever um, designs. And I know a lot of the fashion houses um, and some of, I guess, the high, more high-end brands like Amiri with the skeleton and, and even like Bape with the skatester, I mean, it's a dunk like the Amiri's or Jordan. Like, there's no to to majority of people, you'd be able to kind of, I guess, um, see it for what it is. But I feel like it is a cash grab in effect for high fashion brands to be in in the in in the scene at the moment um, because they didn't care before. Like the Prada America's Cup was was the only foray that I know 
me as a sneakerhead ever paid attention to when I was growing up. Um, it was probably one of the only shoes, just like um, Van Muljan said, it was it was the only trainer that you could get into a club with, um, especially in Brum. Even in Brum, they wouldn't let you in it. I remember, <laughs> I remember one of my friends wearing them to flex and um, we went out and the guy looked down and says, you can't come in. And he's like, I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say. Not even Pradas. But what I'm going to tell you is they're not shoes, bruv. So they didn't let him in, even though they were Pradas. He's like, I'm not, I'm not letting you in. So he acknowledged the status of the shoe, but he wouldn't let him in because it wasn't a dress shoe. And I guess, I don't know, I think... Will all remain in, 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 in the in the community long after high fashion brands leave it because the money just isn't there anymore. Um, and I feel like they will continue to pump out, you know, I'm not saying on the level of sketches, but they, they will still pump out, you know, silhouettes and designs that are heavily influenced by classic silhouettes and, and continue to stay noticed i don't want to say relevant because they have their own little niche and 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 an echelon of society and enclave within that 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 people um aspire to wear or have you know an affinity for that brand but i think at the end of the day it's um they're never gonna push the boat out because they don't have the heritage um and they're gonna they're gonna have to work with people like salehi um kanye wh whoever whoever they can pull from you know, a a background that has an affinity towards sneaker culture, trainer culture, streetwear. Um, in order to 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 to, I guess, be a part of it. Um, and I mean, yeah, how many? I guess, I guess, my 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 thought process led to like how many new silhouettes have come out in the last. Um, in the last five years, maybe more that have, have been brand new from scratch that have really like hit the mark. And I guess, I don't know, there's been a, there's been a few, but like f for them to be kind of completely from the ground up and not be, not be kind of calling upon some kind of heritage is there's, I, I feel like off the top of my head, there's not that many. Um, that have st stood the test of time effectively, or that have continued to be um, continue to be popular. I don't know, but I guess that's that's another question. But yeah, I think for me, unless I'm completely wrong in, in saying what I'm saying about high fashion brands not not um, ever really focusing on footwear, um, I feel like they'll just continue to to use the tried and trusted silhouette, tried and tried and trusted silhouettes, and and just just change some paneling. And also, my final point, as I've been waffling, is that I guess for for Nike, they don't put pressure on those brands when they make those similar looking silhouettes. Like Bape gets a pass, um, Bapesters and Skatesters. Um, I guess the Amiri one. Um, I don't know if you know the YSL one led to anything. Like, there's there's been plenty of plenty to to call upon that that if they were a small outfit, they would have got crushed um, by Nike's legal team, or at least you know 
um, there would have been some kind of cease and desist. But yeah, that's me. Cool. Wow. Appreciate that, Faz. Um, a lot was said, and I think it kind of ties in with what um, Creparella said earlier in terms of yes, there haven't been that many um, shoes because fashion houses primarily concentrate on textiles, clothing, and creating designs for a season. And footwear is almost a secondary consideration. And um, so the point I wanted to make in regards to what Creparella said, it's it's that element in terms of footwear, is, it's seasonal, it's it's a trend for a moment. So like your Balenciaga arenas or your, your speedrunner or the... Um, the Yves Saint Laurent SL line or the Maison Margiela, like all these different models, um, it's they're, they're few and far between, but and they do have their place in history alongside with that of your Prada America Cup. But yes, you are right in that there, there aren't many that we can think of that, that have made a huge splash in terms of um, footwear history. Um, and before I continue to waffle on, um, Sophia, I saw you flash your uh, mic earlier. Um, did you want to chime in again? Oh, well, I was just going to speak to just, I think, marketing of it. And, you know, I think a lot of the people on stage have already touched about the level of respect you have to have for the heritage, right? It does make a good point that they're not really focused on casual, you know, casual footwear or you know, basketball, runner, any kind of sports footwear. They're more of lifestyle footwear when it comes to casual, their casual designs. But when they break out... Oh, your line's dodgy, um, Sophia. Hello? Uh, okay. Can you hear me now? Uh, yeah, I can hear you now. Better? Yes. I think it's just taking, making sure you have the respect first, right? Like collaborating with Nike. I think Christian Dior, even though they've done some things with Smart in that regard and saying, hey, we're not trying to make our own silhouette. What we're going to do right now is invest in your culture. Maybe we'll collaborate with uh, Reebok or Adidas and we'll collaborate with Nike let's introduce ourselves in that way through somebody that's already established that everyone already respects a silhouette a silhouette that's part of fashion culture it's not even just a nike anymore people literally put outfits together with that shoe in mind and for that shoe it's just evolutionary it's not going anywhere so better than making our own let's collaborate show that respect let's let's put it on an influencer who wouldn't otherwise wear our designer clothing so that you know, people can see that somebody is is giving us a try. Somebody that they all respect is giving us a try. A brand that they all respect is, is deciding to collaborate with us, see what it does, and then add some pieces in that collection. Like, okay, here's a shoe, much like Dior did. But, I mean, that's the way in. And then to consistency. If you want to actually do this, because like everyone was saying, it's just a cash grab. If if you want us to buy the shoes, it can't just be a cash grab. If, if you have to prove consistency, that comes with respecting our heritage and the culture. And that's how you start. And then, and you know, Caparella would actually be the best person to, you know, come up with the, the question as to what would she respect when it comes to um, blending the two 
cultures together, two heritages, heritages together, where she would actually look at a piece that um, was part of urban streetwear and high-end fashion, where she would go, yeah, I like that, and I'd wear that, and I respect that, you know, and I'd collect that, and I'd keep that, and it'd be timeless to me. She's actually your ideal market that could answer that question for you, if you ever decided, or if a brand decided to, to really, really you know, unlock that part of, of the, the high-end collector and the, just the lover of street culture. Appreciate that, um, Sophia. So, Thierry, I'm, I'm conscious that we've spent quite um, a while on this topic, but I do still have um, a few questions left before we close out. And um, bringing this home, um, we've talked about high fashion, we've talked about sportswear here and there, predominantly Nike, um, um, in, in, our, in our conversation. But I want to talk about brands that kind of sit in the middle and the likes of Fear of God, Visvim, Vetement, and to some degree, um, Balenciaga. And I just want your thoughts in terms of whether we can consider those brands, which I would call high luxury streetwear brands, can we consider them in the same vein as traditional fashion houses? And that question goes to Thierry. Um, I think each brand has their identity, right? So the brands that you just named uh, and listed, I don't think, I wouldn't personally call them a high-end streetwear brand. Um, now, not because... I fully disagree with what you're saying, but just simply because I, I believe they are trying to be high-end fashion brand um, like any any other high-end fashion brand, but it's just the identity that makes you think that. Um, now, if you were talking about brands that sit in between, I'll think of a brand like Feeling Pieces. I like okay. the name indicates it. They literally wanted to fill the gap between streetwear, uh, streetwear, footwear, and like sport, sportswear footwear and uh, designer footwear, designer trainers. And they've somehow really filled the gap in a sense, like whether you like it or not, is in the pricing, they position themselves in between. In the materials, they have positioned themselves in between because their materials are much better than your usual sportswear brands. Like Emir was mentioning it, Everyone has complained about Nike or Jordan at least once. Um, and But then they don't have that status that high-end fashion has. And I don't think they ever will have, and I don't think they want to have it. They are sitting in between. That's where the difference is, I think, is uh, with the Balenciagas uh, and the few other brands that you've listed that are meant to be high-end designer because you have your... Balenciaga uh, handbags that are worth a lot of money that are completely high-end in that sense that it's not necessarily to the taste of people like us or like even intended for us. But they have those products, which is something that Feeling Pieces doesn't have, for example, to name them. Right, 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 right. Interesting. So... With, with that said, so what is your definition then of a brand that puts themselves in the space of being 
a high fashion brand what 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 qualities or yeah what qualities would would make you consider a brand to sit in that space um i'd say on the about a section on the website um no i'm joking about I'm, I, I i guess <laughs> the price point is one thing um where they're located is another um maybe not every brand fits the description but if you know a brand is on new bond street or, or old bond street in london then you know that they are targeting a certain clientele right right even, even though it's not always uh 100 correct but that's give you a good indication of who they want to be and if you look at department stores then that gives you a good indication of the positioning of a brand uh and the identity that, that they want to sell to you like you mentioned fear of god that's that's a great example they're definitely not high in fashion that definitely know that that's not what they they intend to but they are definitely an elevated version of streetwear and they want they want to make sure people know about it they function by season by collection etc they have their essentials um line uh that is more affordable accessible but their main collection their main line is not presented as your usual streetwear mm. so i think that's just the way they present themselves cool appreciate appreciate the answer so with all of what you've just said there is there is one brand that i'll i always struggle to um box if i can use that language and that's um hender scheme who um i i assume that you're familiar with the brand but for those that are listening that are not they're um a japanese brand that basically um uses or utilizes artisanal process to create iconic classics like the jordan 4 um stan smiths using um high quality graded leather and wood so and and on with that they they charge a, well i think a ridiculous amount so where would we where would you place a brand like hender scheme where, where where do they sit in this um realm that we're trying to um um discuss um i don't know if I'm, it's going to be a, an unpopular opinion to be fair, I never spend. I know the brand. I know exactly what it is. I've seen it so many times, and they're doing great work in that sense. I never spend money uh, on the brand. I never bought anything. Now, again, it might be an unpopular opinion, but I don't position them with any of these categories. To me, it's, it's like a customized, like a, like a custom. Okay. Like uh, I, I, that's my opinion, right? Because they are openly recreating. Um, almost identically to like the, the models that exist, like the Jordan 4s that is one of the, I think, most famous silhouette that they've made um, with those very premium high-end materials. Um, but then I don't know if they actually done silhouettes of their own, but to me, that's a customizer. Now, the fact that that customizer is in stores, uh, at re inside retailers, uh, like department stores, like, I don't know, Selfridges or whatever, it just shows that there is, again, a market for all types of brands. But I wouldn't categorize them with any of the brands that we've discussed tonight. That's my opinion. Okay. Appreciate that. Um, 
bringing this to the home straight, I've got two more questions. Um, the first one was actually a remark that I came across um, in the, what are your thoughts that high fashion has made sneaker culture more relevant? Do you believe that remark to be true or, or not? And, and why? Um, are you asking me? Yes, I am. Sorry. Well, relevance that if you if you mean like reaching more people then mm-hmm. yes I'll, I'll say yes because okay let's talk about actual things that happen when um, someone mentioned the the supreme louis vuitton um collaboration i know for a fact i was like uh, i was already a customer of of louis vuitton before uh, i was saving money in the past to either buy myself some, you know, wallets or whatever, or buy something for my wife or whatever it is. But since that collaboration, you can see the shift in the streetwear community and how they spend their money. Now you have people actually walking around wearing LV ready to wear. And I think we can't help but associating this collaboration with making LV more relevant to the sneaker culture. Or the streetwear culture. Yeah, then you add you add to the mix someone like Virgil that has been working for a few years with with uh, with LV before his passing, and he's leaving something great behind him, which is you know making the brand exciting to people like us. Back then, Louis Vuitton was making money; they have their own clientele, they have their audience, um, but that is not us, right? Like like I said, I think may I, I might. I'm sure I'm not the only one, but Louis Vuitton was like a brand that everyone respected. And every now and then you could buy a piece for a special occasion, for a birthday or for yourself, whatever it is. But it's not something that you would look at on the regular, like every season or, you know, every new collection. Now, what Virgil has managed to do after the Supreme stuff with Kim Jong, etc., is to make the brand exciting to the streetwear culture. Like right. I, I now look at LV ready to wear. I buy LV ready to wear when I can and I buy it not because it's hype. I buy it because I actually like it. They might have brought it to my attention by doing things that are different from what they were doing before. And that you can't help but thinking it's the people behind those brands that manage to bring it to us to make, make the brand more relevant. It's not the brand itself. Okay. Yeah, totally. hundred percent. 100%. And my final question, um, and I think it's quite appropriate to end with this question. In the current space that we're in now, do you think high fashion needs sneaker culture more than sneaker culture needs high fashion? I'll say yes. Just to go with the point that we, we just mentioned just before that, because I feel like sneaker culture and streetwear culture is kind of uh, um, two communities that have a lot of energy when it comes to fashion and hype, however you call it. So it's, it's like what, I, what everyone is, has been saying, it's a trend. It might change in five, ten years, but while it's trendy now, those brands need that energy to be able to create excitement around their brand. I'm not saying that they would not be successful without us in that sense. 
they would just be doing something else. But st the streetwear culture and the sneaker culture is something that is generating a lot of energy for any brand that gets in, like that gets involved. It's just a fact when you look at every collaboration, um, every activation that brands have been doing. As soon as they get our community involved, it's always usually positive, mm. in my opinion. And I that's why I think they would keep doing it until, um, like someone said, it's not a, a cash cow anymore until the, the trend completely changes. But for the moment, yes, 100%. I think the high-end fashion uh, brands need that energy from the streetwear culture, even though they would be doing really well without it too. Cool. Appreciate that, Thierry. Thank you so much for that. Um, before we close up, um, Lucas, Fars, Sophia, um, Creparella, do you have anything to add in regards to that last question? And um, just in case you have forgotten what that last question was, the question was, does high fashion need sneaker culture more than sneaker culture needs high fashion? So I know Thierry's answered that. I don't know if any of you guys or even yourselves, um, Van Wheel Jams or um, Emil, whether you want to add to it just as we um, close up proceedings. Um, Faz, um, see your mic flash. Chime in, please. Nice one, Pedro. Yeah, just quickly, I'll put it in the chat, man. Sneaker, sneaker culture, trainer culture is about, like Sophia said, it's the hunt, it's the it's the heritage. Like, like Lucas said, it's about it's about a multitude of things that high end fashion will never be, um, because the echelon of society that they're they're in is 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 about something else. Um, there is some overlaps for sure in terms of like i guess striving for quality and craftsmanship at the at the higher levels of i guess sportswear in some capacity um and i guess in terms of the design in the original instances but i think at the end of the day um yeah sneaker culture trainer culture will will live on long after the interest by high fashion has died down and 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 the i guess the cash or the i don't know the the flirtation or whatever it is that the high fashion is kind of i guess the reasons why they're interested in in our in our scene will be um done and dusted and i think yeah i guess um but yeah that's me that's me I'll pass cool. thank you guys no worries at all. Um, Sophia, did you want to chime in with final thoughts on that question or anything else you want to contribute? I mean, I would say this. I would definitely say that high-end fashion doesn't need sneaker culture, but if you're talking about business, it definitely should think about it because it's an entire demographic that you lose out on. The majority of the world is is into street culture because that's what they can afford. High-end fashion is luxury and, and exclusive, which keeps it high-end, and that is the point of it. But streetwear, as we see as time has gone by, that it's not going anywhere, and it's only evolving. It's becoming more sophisticated. People are collaborating more. It's not going to go anywhere. It's only going to progress. It's only going to get bigger, and there's more of us than there are of them. 
and collaborating and, and showing a little bit of homage and, and getting your feet wet and, and introducing maybe a more ready to wear brand like Thierry was saying, like he da- he even dabbles into that. It's just, it just needs to be now a subdivision of your high end fashion wear where you can respect your, you know, original clientele and the luxury that they're looking for in materials and product and then also provide um, your streetwear, your streetwear brand that can be just as sophisticated and just as luxurious at a price point that would be just enough for us to be able to chase and afford. And you can do like exclusive collaborations, which would like, you know, a random bag that, that they wouldn't otherwise have done collab, like a, a sportswear bag or like a, you know, a duffel bag that wouldn't otherwise be something that they did, which now sets the staple for their new collection and what they're going to be interested in. So definitely not needed, but at some point you can't ignore it. We're too loud, like you said. Wonderful. Appreciate that, Sophia. Um, Emil, um, Dwayne, do you want to add anything before we close out to um, this conversation at all? I take it yourself. Oh, oh no! Oh, sorry. I always, I always let the, uh, I always let the big man go first. No, man. I think it's, it's you know, it's, it's been very insightful. You know, there's, there was a, um, a lot of angles that I personally hadn't thought about, and it's, you know, it's, you're looking at two different subcultures, so to speak, and comparing and contrasting. I, I really enjoyed this one, man. So thanks to everybody who chimed in. Awesome. Sorry, Creparello, I felt like you was about to say something. So I guess you can have the last um, say on this um, conversation. That's if you still want to share. Um, yeah, sir, I think I've, I've said enough today. But um, I was just going to say, uh, yeah, I, I think they it'll be just it'll be interesting to see, um, especially around the accessibility, um, if the high end world is going to sort of integrate uh, with the street fashion in that sense, I would say the accessibility, um, that, that's the point that I'm kind of like why I've always separated the two. Um, yeah, without going again off of or repeating what anyone has said. Um, I think that's a clear factor that kind of separates the two for me. So it will just be interesting to see how they kind of tackle that. Amazing. Um, awesome. I think with that point, um, I feel like this conversation has reached um, a natural end um, to which um, I'd like to thank um, Thierry for appearing and um, discussing with us um, in regards to sneaker culture high fashion. So Thank um, you for having me. Uh, mate, thank you for um, appearing. To all of our contributors, uh, Sophia, Fars, Lucas, Creparella, uh, appreciate um, your thoughts and consideration. Um, and also um, to the guys in the chat as well um, who have made some real insightful um, remarks. Um, again, we extend our appreciations to you. And last but not the least, all of you guys that have been listening to us. Um, we appreciate that you've taken your Wednesday evening and decided to um, spend it with us discussing on um, sneaker culture and high fashion. Um, we have reached the end. I have been your co-host, Pedro, along with Emil and Dwayne, Mr. Van Wiljams. Um, if you want to 
continue this conversation or you know catch up with what we do what we're about we are on um instagram um the panel dot online we can find us there and um yeah we, we we love conversations in regards to sneaker culture and all of that good stuff in between um just um i'm going to take the liberties to um do a small plug um we're looking to have um a Sunday Best Sneaker Ball on the 10th of July. Uh, we've already posted um, a little bit of information on our um, socials. We're going to post a lot more, or rather the fuller details, in the next day or two in regards to what it's all about. But, um, yeah, we would love for all of you to attend and uh, be a part of it. Um, before I close this room down, Dwayne, chime in, please. Um, just bouncing off what you just said. Um, we can promise everyone the drinks won't be teeth and expensive like they were last time. That was out <laughs> of our control. Um, but yeah, um, there'll be some free drinks and the drinks will be a lot, a lot cheaper. So um, apologies. We'd love to see you in your best dressed. And um, we'd love to see you party with us um, because without you lot, we wouldn't exist. So thank you very much and hopefully see you there. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Faz, Yo, come. One, quick, one quick, last quick. thing, being as we're talking about the high-end stuff and with everything going on right now with mad petrol prices and all of the energy stuff and people being under the fucking cosh with uh, just basically maintaining their lives. Um, bun elitism, especially with this Jubilee thing happening, um, more than ever we need to band together and it as a sneaker community, as a fucking global community. Bun elitism, bun classism, bun all this jubilee shit. I'm sorry, but spending <laughs> 1.4 billion on fucking a party for a fucking trillionaire is not what I'm about. I'm about community and love and support in it. So look after each other, look after everyone, um, yourselves more than anything. And um, yeah, maximum love. Big up the panel. Safe. Let them have cake. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> awesome guys you guys have been absolutely amazing um yeah follow us here as well um we're not doing clubhouse as often as we did during lockdown because obviously um we like to do things in real life but by all means please follow us on our socials we're on um, facebook we're on ig um and every so often we will appear on clubhouse but i think we're done that is it and um yeah i wish the rest of you guys a pleasant evening and um yeah um evening. um Thierry, thank you guys yeah thank no worries so man um mills do you want to say anything or should we just shut this room down thanks everyone bye drinks on Dwayne at the party <laughs> <laughs> guys thank you take care we're shutting this room down appreciate it good job everyone work